The Ready, Set, Grow podcast is sponsored by Ag Expert, software designed for Canadian agriculture. Visit them today at agexpert.ca. Welcome to the Ready, Set, Grow podcast, where we like to showcase startup and early stage companies, as well as visit with innovators in the agriculture and food industry. Today, we're here with Joe Dales, co-founder of RH Accelerator, and guest Eric Bosveld, president of BNA Corporate Advisors. Eric, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, I've been in the, the food and agribusiness uh, industry my whole career. Um, that's just kind of getting in around 30 years now. So kind of later stage of my career. Started off uh, my my first third of my career really in uh, as an agronomist, actually working out in the field with uh, with farmers and dealers and their crop input programs. Uh, I have my BSc and my MSc in plant science. So that was kind of my career direction after I graduated, which was, which was a great foundation for the next two thirds of my career. Um, then I spent uh, the next 10, actually 13 years uh, in, the, uh, in the agri-retail sector. Uh, kind of working my way up through the the ranks, ending up as the general manager of the Agrimark Group, um, and uh, which is a, a an agri uh, product distribution business here in Eastern Canada, now owned by Le Corp Federé, and uh, left there in 2011 to start doing full-time M&A work, mergers and acquisitions. Um, First of all, kind of got going with uh, a number of different private equity groups, working on the buy side, uh, helping them kind of, I say, kind of stay between the ditches. So with using my operating experience, try to help them assess businesses, identify opportunities. Um, and uh, since then, it's kind of uh, evolved a little bit. Now I do some more sell-side uh, representation in the mergers and acquisition space, in the food and agribusiness industries. Um, my firm is, uh, based here in London, Ontario, so I'm not far from RH Accelerator. And, uh, of course I've known Joe, you for, for, for many, many years through, uh, various stages of my career, but, um, yeah, we, uh, we're a boutique, uh, uh, lower middle market investment bank. We primarily help, uh, companies that are, uh, in the food and agribusiness space, either acquire other companies. I'm working on a project right now today that uh, we're helping a, a U.S.-based company acquire a company uh, in here in Ontario. Uh, but I also help companies prepare uh, for um, for a sale, eventual sale, and then represent them and run a competitive process. And we'll talk more a lot more about that. But that's kind of me in a in a nutshell. That's great. We really appreciate you uh, coming on. We don't see too many corporate finance folks in the agriculture and food space. So this is why we wanted to have you on the RHA uh, Ready, uh -huh. Set, Grow podcast. So can you discuss a little bit about the process of what you do and how you help it? And let's just say on the, uh, on the sell side. So I have a business, you know, I'm interested in raising money, um, mergers, acquisitions, something. Uh, at transaction. Right. So what would you do and, and what value would you bring to, to my team uh, um, and describe the process a little bit? Yeah. So there's first thing I want to do is distinguish the difference between 
raising some capital and uh, exiting an M&A process. Because they're really, although there's some of the principles are the same, uh, we would apply some of the same principles. It's really a bit of a, it's a different uh, ball game altogether, quite frankly, in terms of the type of people that you're, you're actually approaching and how you go, um, uh, the challenges that you face, I'll say it that way. So raising capital, is this something uh, that, that does take some specialized expertise and it's not something that I've done a lot of? Um, you know, if you're an earlier stage business, a kind of seed or even an established business with revenue, but kind of are less than $10 million in, in, in revenue, it's less, say, less than five for sure, but that five to $10 million revenue, it does uh, require a network that's a little bit different than the network that I tend to, to circle in. So, um, so I, I will I'll kind of emphasize more the the, the 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 exit stage. You know, companies already now established. They've got an operating uh, profit. They've they've uh, they built the business into something significant, and now they're either late stage of their career or they're looking to bring on a partner, uh, maybe a financial partner like a private equity firm, to kind of bring the business through to the next stage. You think of. And, and, and of course, you'd understand this. I mean, if you think of growth, it sometimes is in steps, right? You, as a, as a, a business owner, you run into certain barriers, whether it's capital or talent or attracting uh, new markets or, uh, you know, or some combination of the, the above. Sometimes mature companies get into those stages and, uh, you know, they need to bring in a private equity group. Which, which you know, usually will take a controlling interest. Although there are some that will do minority uh, positions, but usually will take a controlling position. But they may adapt, you know, invest more capital in the business to accelerate the business. So those are the types of engagements I would typically uh, pursue. Um, is more on the on the exit stage. Um, so uh, as far as the process goes, um, it's pretty. Pretty extensive, and if people haven't actually experienced uh, working with a professional M&A advisor or an investment bank, you know, either through their, you know, a previous role at a, at a, a larger corporation, um, there's an awful lot of education that's requ- that's required. The first real big thing is before you go to market is what I call polishing the apples. And that's really a big focus of BNA corporate advisors is trying to build relationships with uh, potential uh, candidates or clients uh, well in advance before they're ready to kind of pull the plug and say, okay, let's put this thing out of the market and see, you know, how we can a- attract a competitive uh, environment where, you know, multiple companies will bid uh, competitively to have the opportunity to work with me and, and my my management team and take on, take over majority ownership of the business. Um, so that polishing the apple stage is really, really critical. And that, that lead time that you need before you actually engage with an M&A advisor like myself, you know, can be really short if you're ready. Uh, but, you know, could be easily a one or two years. And that's a big area of the focus that I have. So I love to talk to entrepreneurs, you know, one, two, three years before they're really at that stage where they think they want to pull the trigger because there's a ton of things that can make your business uh, not only more valuable uh, if you make a, take a few steps, 
but also more marketable. And if it's more marketable, that means there's a larger pool of potential buyers. That means there's a better competitive process and more likelihood that you'll find and get a good outcome. But, um, you know, the process from engagement to close, you know, that's a, that's a, also a multi-step process. You know, you got to prepare the marketing materials, the, what we call the teaser, the confidential information memorandum. That includes all the data analytics around your customer base and history, customer turn, uh, you know, your supplier relationships, your differentiated market position, and actually the financial models in terms of how the business actually is going to look and how it would be uh, perceived by a potential buyer. That's a big chunk of the first, say, one, two, three months of, of, a, of an active sell-side engagement. Uh, and then there's the actual in-market uh, process where uh, we, on behalf of our client, would uh, go out and actually get the confidentiality agreements in place with the potential buyers. Uh, once they've negotiated that, um, you know, send them the, the marketing material, do all the Q&A, um, you know, up front. The main focus of this in-market period is your, your management team's not getting distracted and answering questions from all kinds of different potential buyers. Like a, a good, broad competitive process might include 300 potential buyers. And you can imagine, you know, that takes a lot of resources away from uh, managing the business. And so we, our team kind of comes in Side, uh, beside the management team to kind of take all that initial uh, Q and A off of the off of the uh, the owners uh, or the, the management team's um, plate, get it narrowed down to a number, a handful of manageable potential buyers that have now given initial uh, initial offers, and then working through that to narrow it right through to close. So yeah, long answer I know, but you know you got the kind of really pre-engagement stage, the marketing stage, in market, and then the close close uh, process using that competitive tension between p- potential buyers. Awesome. Uh, one area we've noticed at RHA that can be a big issue for companies is valuation. Uh, can you just mm-hmm. take us a little bit through yeah. uh, your valuation <laughs> models? Yeah, sure. Well, I could, it's something, uh, uh, I just wrote a, a blog article on, on this and put it on LinkedIn. So it, there are a, a, a bunch of myths out there um, that I constantly run into with entrepreneurs in terms of their understanding of, of how businesses are valued. Um, the reality is, is that there's a ton of different ways uh, to value a business. Uh, not all of them are appropriate in every situation. Um, but what, people really need to understand is um, the value typically is uh, perceived by a potential buyer. It's going to be different depending on different types of buyers and what the future is dependent a little bit on the, the, the future cash flow of the business and how it's actually going to uh, flow into the new, into the new ownership. If it's a standalone business, um, you know, that can be fairly straightforward. It just means, uh, you know, buyers have to buy into the the, the plan, uh, the projections. You know, we typically, you know, see the, you know, the hockey stick projections, which has 
you know, limited cr- credibility with potential buyers. You know, if you can't, if you've been bumping around the same kind of sales and earnings, you know, for the last four years, you know, why are in, you know, next year you're going to, you know, grow sales by 20% in profit. It's, you have to actually layer in the specifics, actions and the, and the, the initiatives that you're going to take and they need to be credible uh, before, you know, buyers are going to look at those potential projections. Um, you know, the past is a, uh, you know, probably one of the best uh, predictors of what future performance is going to be. And so if you've been growing at, at 10% a year, then a buyer is going to be much more apt to, to believe, especially if you've, you know, you've been able to demonstrate the exact actions that you've been able to take um, and how well they've worked. Um, that 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 might be uh, might be potential on on how it goes uh, in the in the future. So basically, there's some type of discount of the future cash flows as the primary way that uh, a business is going to value. They may layer in some of the in some of the additional synergies that the business might have if it's a competitive process, and they may they may share in some of those synergies with the seller uh, to make sure that they actually you know are the successful candidate, but. In the end, all the valuation modeling, all the, the look at precedent transactions and comparables is only uh, a starting point. Uh, the real market is when you run a competitive process and you actually get real bids coming in from real companies that are ready to write a check and go to the bank and borrow the money uh, uh, is really where the true valuation uh, comes in. But amazingly, you know, we we typically will find that we've done a lot of work up front and done that proper preparation is typically within the range that we would we would project. That's interesting. We always hope for when we're representing the seller that we get that outside <clears throat> offer that you know is outside of the the range and it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know typically you're going to get more of a cluster in within within a range because uh, they're going to be using some of the same assumptions. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I think the key thing for most entrepreneurs to realize is it, there's a definite information process here that, you know, the more work you do and, and the more you articulate the future for the potential buyer, you know, the more uh, comfort they have in, in the valuation yeah. and closing a deal. So, no, that's great. Absolutely. Um, Question for you, and and I'm not sure why this is, but, uh, you know, I'd like your thoughts on it. You know, we don't seem to have too many public companies in the agri-food space in Canada. Um, You know, we've got the Toronto Stock Exchange there where, you know, Bay Street, we've got a lot of financial firepower for for, for like the mining industry. Um, for sure. What's your, what's your perception on, you know, using IPOs? We've got companies out there like Devron that, uh, that have done, uh, done this successfully. And I, I saw today they raised another, um, private placement. So it would seem to me that, you know, we, we have this great resource there, the public markets, um, but we don't use it. What's, what's your thought on that and, and why? good question i don't know that i have a i have a real good answer for you joe tell you the truth um mm-hmm. you know for sure there are uh you know stock markets that build reputations to having specialization in certain areas and you know if you want to raise money and 
oil and gas and mining, you know, TSX is a great spot to go. Um, you know, food and agribusiness just doesn't have that same, uh, I don't think there's really the same uh, situation on any of the public markets, quite frankly. I mean, the industry as a whole has a whole, whole bunch of large mega companies that are international in scale, you know, right across the whole food and agribusiness channel from the, you know, the, uh, the Cortinas of the world to the, to the, uh, you know, um, Del Monte's or, you know, and, uh, all those types of com- companies, but, you know, there's a ton, there's a ton of, I kind of think of it as a bit of a barbell, you know, there's these big mega companies on one end that are publicly traded. And then there's a ton of small, tiny, tiny companies, you know, on the other end. And there's very, there's a little bit of scarcity in what I would call the middle market. Uh, you know, companies with hundred, two, three, four hundred million and, in revenue that are profitable. And those ones, you know, if there were more of those companies, I think likely the, you know, there would be a bigger representation on the public markets because you, you certainly, uh, if you're, you know, a hundred million dollar revenue business and profitable, and you've kind of got some of the sexy on-trend things, whether it's plant-based technology, I mean, there is potential for a lot of those companies to use IPOs as both a mechanism to get some liquidity for the the founders and the shareholders, but also to get access to more capital to grow quicker. But I think it's just, this is my perception and I'd I'd love to hear from other people that may be watching this uh, uh, on their opinion on this, because it's just my opinion, but I think it's because there's a bit of a scarcity in the middle market uh, in the whole agri-food sector, Um, maybe unlike some of those other, some of, some of those industries. Yeah, and you know, I, I think the industry, the finance industry, hasn't really focused on agri-food. We've we haven't uh, we haven't you know darkened the doors at Bay Street like the mining industry has. Right. I just right. see the mining industry so hit and miss. And right, you know, um, the cannabis industry. I guess you know the market was made in Toronto because of the U.S. Right, you know, slowness. And all of a sudden we've got public companies. I know they got over, you know, they, they did the dot-com thing. They got bid up crazy valuations. Yeah, yeah. Now they're, now they're right-sizing. They're becoming real businesses. Um, but they did have access to capital and they do have, you know, liquidity with the, uh, with the public markets. So it's an area where I think agri-food can go and do a better job. And I've, I've seen a few uh, companies, as long as you have growth in earnings, um, you know, it's, it's more frictionless today than ever before to, to buy stock and sell stock and communicate and, and so on. So it's an, it's an interesting area that I think is undeveloped, but maybe we should be looking at, um, <clears throat> you know, any other questions, Mike? Yeah, so uh, I guess Eric, you get to see a lot of uh, interesting, interesting uh, companies. Do you have any advice for young entrepreneurs? Yeah, well, uh, my advice would be to think very early on on really what is your uh, core purpose of, of of forming your business. I mean, there's a wide range why pe- of reasons why people start businesses, try to grow the business, but if 
one of your um, one of the mindsets that you should really consider as one of the uh, one of the potentials is kind of are you building the business to sell? And if you're building the business to sell, there's a lot of things that you really should be doing all along the way that really can make a big difference. And if you think through those uh, aspects on uh, uh, on your you know and how you incorporate that into your day to day decisions, that's certainly uh, really important. But there's lots of people that you know build businesses for for, for many other reasons. Um, it's just be it's just try to be clear what your end what your end gain is. I think um, could can be really helpful. Um, you know, there's a t- there's a ton of entrepreneurs out there that just love building businesses, selling them, starting another one. Um, you know, those guys kind of watch what watch what they're doing. If that's what uh, if that's what your end game is, boy, you can learn a lot from from seeing some of those entrepreneurs. You know, and I'm sure you guys have got uh, tons of contacts of, of people that uh, could be helpful in that area. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's exciting uh, exciting to see these companies you know grow, and we try to get them investor ready for their next round. So yep, um, yep, yep. you know, kind of following that Y Combinator model and uh, move them along. And I agree with you; it's a it's a process. It's you know, it's a mindset. You know, and um, yeah, we're excited about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that would be that. That would be the the. The main, the main one for sure. Um, you know, it's uh, in in some ways I'm a I'm a nine year startup since I uh, since I left uh, the the Agrimar Group in 2011. I mean, I've been kind of had had some 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 phases. It's kind of reinitiated over the last uh, eight ten months uh, because of uh, you know COVID 19 and my relationship with the investment bank that I work with in the U S. Um, but uh, you know, I'm not really building a business to sell. I'm building, you know, uh, I'm building a trying to build a business to uh, to generate some revenue, and there's quite a different mindset for sure. Yeah. yeah. And thank you, Eric, for sharing the information. Um, before we head out, is there anything else you want our viewers to know? Well, just uh, you know, uh, you know, look for people. You know, like like Joe and you, Mike, to to work with. I think what you guys are doing uh, is some excellent work here. It's great for London, Ontario. Um, you know, at, being based here. You know, I often get lots of comments that hey, I don't didn't know anybody in London, Ontario, did you know full time mergers and acquisitions advisory. And it's the same thing with you know some of the stuff that you're doing. It's an exciting time for for ag and food tech. Um, love paying attention to it. What, what you guys are doing and being part of the community. So uh, happy to have uh, conversations with people at any stage of their business, um, you know, and uh, if, if, if I can provide a little tidbit of information that's helpful, then that, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a great outcome for me. How can our listeners connect with you? Um, I get, they can easily go to my website, um, www.bacorporateadvisors.com. Um, you can uh, look me up on LinkedIn, Eric Bosveld. Um, I'm sure I'll come up there and uh, send me an invite. Happy to connect and, and uh, yeah, 
that's uh, I, or you can call me on my phone 519-709-1783 can't forget the old-fashioned phone <laughs> yeah eric's got a great newsletter too that comes out to you know for, for you know business uh business owners and uh and directors that that are interested so um encourage people to send him a note and get signed up with that uh, he shares you know in-depth articles on the process and on valuation models and so on so we really i enjoy reading that eric so thanks for great thanks that out. excellent and i just wanted to thank our listeners for tuning into the ready set grow podcast and i uh, just wanted to thank you again eric for joining us today appreciate it thank you okay.